1: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Frames and Fools. This is our very first companion episode entitled The Tragedy of Catherine Hardwick. So without further ado, we'll pick the conversation up with Kate. Enjoy.
0: This is the aspect that like when I'm like drunk and arguing with people that like always really upsets people when I bring it up. Because like Twilight came out at a time where like film franchises were kind of just becoming a possibility. Like you had Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings the Sam Raimi Spider-Man, the second Star Wars trilogy and like Pirates of the Caribbean were like dominating at the box office, but they all had like built in audiences. And so you kind of saw like more and more book adaptations, especially for like books that were for children. Because I think it's like kind of like an obvious like choice, like if it's a family book or like a family movie, you get like four times as much ticket sales. And so, like in the early 2000s, you had like so many like weak ass film adaptations of beloved children's books, like Series of Unfortunate Events or like Alex Ryder, Aragon.
1: Uh, I got a bone to pick with me, me, but it's good. Okay. It's good. The movie's good. Aragon
0: movie? No. No, no. Series of Unfortunate unfortunate Events. events. Yes, I love it too. It's a gem. I love it too, but like it is, but I think it also, like like the author, Lemony Snicket. Hates that movie, which like Daniel Handler kind of sucks as a person. We'll yeah, I was gonna
2: say, way. yeah, he can go fuck off. Actually, yeah,
0: but like you know, they're like all like beloved, and like whether or not they're like good or not, like sure. they don't really inspire enough in their audiences mm-hmm. to demand a sequel. More. Yeah, Um like I think in the PowerPoint I gave you, like I had Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, Inkheart, City of Ember, um, oh, I read Aragon. that one, City of Ember. Yeah. They made a movie about so that. So good. Yeah, to Saoirse Ronan in it. What, what? the fuck? Yeah, I know. Fucking Search Ronan and Bill Murray. It's it's really bad. Wait, what? <laughs> what? They like were like just desperately trying. <laughs> I highly recommend watching it. It's also got I forget the dude in it, but like he's also like a pretty like big Broadway actor now. So like it's it's like fascinating how they had like all of these really beloved, interesting stories and none of them could really figure out how to make them something like profitable and viable the only book adaptation that i can think of that like actually got a sequel was the sisterhood of the traveling pants which is like a pretty like low budget like story of just like four girls with a pair of jeans mm-hmm. making memories that one got a sequel. and that one got a sequel
2: so did uh, princess um, diaries i would like to throw in
0: oh i forgot about princess diaries i thought i think of that one more as like a like a kid than ya for some reason that's fair. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. it's it's yeah. got that Disney appeal. I so
1: don't yeah, like, but I like,
0: think. But I think that's interesting that like you know like the two like most like grounded like real stories that are like definitely just for girls are the only ones that were successful enough. And I think that's partly because like studio executives weren't taking teenage girls seriously as like a target demographic.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think I talked about this earlier. Like the reason why Twilight got thirty-seven million dollars as their budget is because that's what Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants made at the box office. Yeah, so they were like. This probably isn't going to make any money, but, like, we'll at least get our money back was, like, the thought process. Yeah. They had really, really low expectations for it. It was in development hell for, like, three years before it finally went to production. And Catherine Hardwick says, like, if they had any hope for it, they never would have given it to her as a director. At this point, she'd done, like, two indie movies and the Nativity Story, which wasn't super well received.
1: Mm-hmm. She did that before Twilight?
0: Yeah. Nativity Story came out oh. in 2006, I think.
1: I haven't seen or heard of that movie. It's ever. one of the few it's...
0: Bible stories that like actually has brown people in it.
1: Is she religious, or is it just like a Bible story?
0: I think it's just a job. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just curious because yeah. it
1: seems like there's a lot of like Christian values in this movie, so it yeah. makes me I think that's wonder... the subject
0: matter because Stephanie Meyer is like a a huge Mormon.
1: Oh really? Oh
0: okay. yeah, and that's why like they have like the whole like waiting till marriage <laughs> thing and like this no all one swears. Out now. Oh, the lines yeah.
1: are—it's all yeah, okay,
2: yeah. I—I'd like to verbalize that when you said that, my eyes went wide and I tried to say something and shocked. Just the enormity of like it all clicked. I was like, "Yep, yeah, yes, this was absolutely written by a Mormon. Holy shit!
0: Wow. <laughs> Holy shit. Can
2: continue. I'll just sit here in my like."
0: I've been involved disbelief. in this like franchise for so long. I forget that it's not common knowledge that a Mormon wrote it and that Edward's a virgin. Oh, shit. So yeah, no, didn't I'm Sorry, know that. I waited till the end.
1: Yeah, thank you for <laughs> yeah. bringing to light these beautiful uh, facts that we all need to know. You're
0: so welcome. Yeah, so like, there's this quote from like an Entertainment Weekly article I really like. That's like, I think the actor that plays Jasper says, "The first Twilight movie was an indie film. We didn't know it was going to be this blockbuster franchise." We were like, "Man, I wonder if anybody's going to see this movie." We were doing like a little vampire movie in the woods. Yeah.
1: I mean, it I get those vibes. It it yeah. very much does feel like a smaller movie than like the franchise made it out to be. And I think it mm-hmm. I think that's probably what is like the lifeblood about it. And probably what you're not going to get from like the sequels is this it does feel like a small movie. Mm-hmm. Um because there's not a lot of like big sequences. It is. It's a yeah. lot of just people talking and looking at mm-hmm. each other. Like, let's have sex. You know. It's like that's yeah. the majority of the movie, <laughs> um, which is fine. Like, it, I say that in the most positive of ways. Like, it,
0: yeah,
1: it it works on that level. And the action sequences are probably the weakest part, in my opinion.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I
2: right. I have it written down that I feel like this movie, it, it it wasn't hard to get through. I I don't mean it like that, but. Because I was pausing it a bunch, I noticed it's actually pretty dense. Like, the scenes are packed in there, and things move at a pretty quick pace such that it feels a lot longer than it is, and I think the people Mm -hmm. acting in it took the job seriously, and that helps ground it, too. Like, I feel like people's performances really elevated it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The casting is just incredible.
1: I wish it was two movies. (laughs) Uh, seriously, like, I wish this yeah. first movie was an hour and 45 minutes, and like the hunter guy showed up at the end, and then the second scene is like the chase. Like, the second movie is just like an oh. action movie. That's what it felt mm-hmm. like. The, that's what it felt like the book was. Like, this seems like a bad adaptation because I was like, it seems like they cut a lot out of this vampire guy. Like, it seems huh. like there was a whole storyline, but apparently there's not. So, like, that mm-hmm. really blows my yeah. mind.
2: It was a good adaptation.
1: <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah, it was, yeah. I guess the book is just kind of weird.
0: <laughs> so like yeah, then like it like goes and it breaks like box office records. Like Catherine Hardwick for like several years was the highest grossing female director of all time. Yeah. Um it broke like advance ticket sale records. I think it was either Patty Jenkins or Sam Taylor-Johnson with 50 Shades of Grey that broke the box office record. So it's either Fifty Shades of Grey or Patty Jenkins with Wonder Woman, but I'm pretty sure it was Wonder Woman. Okay. For like female directed, yeah, I, I remember you.
1: Film.
2: Yeah, so, I thought I saw it written down from you. So
1: what movie. happened
0: to Catherine Hardwick?
1: Yeah, what happened?
0: Oh, so the
1: tragic tale.
0: She goes into some entertainment like that Monday after breaking box office records, and you'd think like, wow, she's gonna like have like she, her yeah. own cinematic universe, but instead. They gave her like a mini cupcake, said, good job. You want to do the next one for less time and less money than you did the first one? What the fuck?
2: They literally gave her a cupcake. I wasn't sure if that was a Not cupcake. A, okay, this
0: is, uh, no, you? no, like literally I thought that it was a full sized cupcake, but I went back and read the article and it's a mini cupcake.
1: They actually they couldn't gave her even a mini give cup her.
0: Cupcake. They couldn't even give her a regular sized cupcake
1: what the fuck they gave her a little cupcake said good job usually
0: when like male directors like break a record they like get like a car or they're like can we sign you to a multi-picture deal like is that a thing the person like, i always think of- yes yeah. and shit yeah i didn't know that. there's like champagne popping and all that but instead they were like will you do the sequel for less time and less money She, like, fought for it for a while because she, like, lived and died for this movie. Like, she really, really felt passionately about it. But, like... She liked it, yeah. They weren't respecting her. And so she walked away from it. And to, like, keep fans from being upset, Summit, like, released all these rumors saying that she was difficult to work with and over-emotional.
1: Oh, my God. What the fuck? It all stems
0: from, like, one story where they were behind because they were getting rained out of a set. And she, like, went behind a trailer and cried for two minutes. And then went back out there and got them back out on schedule and they got all their shots and they finished the day on time.
1: That's normal. Directors cry yeah. all the fucking time. Have you seen those photos but, of like
0: uh, fucking
1: what's his name on The Hobbit? Where he's just like sitting <laughs> and just like in full oh, that's despair. Such a sad like, picture. What what has happened to me?
0: Yeah, but that mm-hmm. happens all the time. That's like a but,
1: minor thing.
0: But she was a woman in two thousand eight. Yeah. So. That's so fucked, man. Jesus. And like So for the next, like the sequel, New Moon, they ended up giving it to a male director and they gave him way more time and way more money than they ever offered Cass and Hardwick. Uh, She would go on to like really struggle to like pick her career back up because everyone was like, huh, huh, she's the Twilight director. And her Uh, next film was like a, like a adaptation of like Red Riding Hood, like a gritty whatever. And the only reason that got made is because she took significant pay cuts just to like produce it. Jesus Christ. And it's been, like, 10 years, and she's <gasps> still, like... She made Lords of Dogtown. kind of only Dogtown. just started. Yeah, she made Lords that. of Dogtown in 13. Oh, yo, Lords of Dogtown Like, she's sick. an indie darling. Yeah. And she's, like, still struggling to get, like, called whenever people are like, oh, we want a female director. No one ever thinks Catherine Hardwick. It's so really fun. weird. Jesus. And depressed. It's, like, honestly, like, the perfect, like, fable for, like, how female directors get treated in Hollywood. Yeah. That yeah. she can be, like, one of the most financially successful directors of all time and she still can't get her own projects made. Whereas, mm-hmm. like, the director of Chronicle just did Chronicle and then they were like, want to yeah. make a Fantastic Dude. Four movie? What Here's a... a Star Wars movie. Go oh, for it. And then he, like, God. it's just... Josh I... Trank. Yeah, Jesus and then he lost Christ.
1: his goddamn mind. Yeah, Chris Weitz, the guy who uh, who directed the second one. What's the second one called? Uh mm-hmm. New Moon. New Moon, the guy who directed that, also wrote, was one of the writers on Rogue One, which just makes me want to shoot my head out, Um, and The Golden Compass.
0: The first one or the TV show?
1: The first one, the bad one.
0: So, like, you know, Twilight comes out, everyone hates that, but, like, regardless of how much everyone spent the next, like, six years, just actively shitting on Twilight whenever they had the opportunity, Hollywood took notice and they were like, YA book adaptations are the way to go. And for like the next decade, it was just like a constant release of like The Hunger Games, Divergent, Maze Runner, Vampire Academy, Percy Jackson, I Am Number Four, The Darkest Minds. They're all bad. Except for
1: a couple of The Hunger Games.
0: Yeah. And like none of them... None of them really, like, figure out what it is their audiences want. None of them really capture that magic. And excluding The Hunger Games and The Maze Runner, out of, like, I want to say it was, like, two dozen, like, film adaptations came out in, like, a decade. Only two of them ever got completed divergent like almost got there it, like
1: it stumbled but, like, and had like a weird tv release of the last movie
0: They didn't even do that because the actors were like so insulted they just dropped out so it never happened That's I it's, I
1: remember reading about that and I was like holy hell this thing really just like
0: really stumbled imploded. to
1: a, yeah implosion Yeah Sweet and I think it
0: honestly like comes down to the fact that like Catherine Hardwick is a really special director and she mm. really respected the subject matter and she really respected the audience that she was making it for and she put so much love and attention into every detail. Like um the shirt Kristen Stewart is wearing in the meadow scene is katherine mm. Hardwick's shirt. The like Yeah she did a lot of that shit in this movie. Yeah. Like the bracelet that um Bella wears the entire time. katherine mm. Hardwick like would also wear it whenever they weren't filming Bella's scenes. The salad that Kristen, or that Bella is like making, and like Edward comes and talks to her, like she made that salad. <laughs> she like, arranged the cucumbers and the lettuce and just like I also read that um, there's scenes where uh,
1: the vampires aren't wearing shoes, but they're mm-hmm. wearing little like, uh, foot booties with feet painted on them for some reason, and mm-hmm. she made those herself.
0: Yeah, because it was so cold, she didn't want the actors oh, to yeah. get frostbite, so that's she hilarious. like hand painted them boots. She also <laughs> like hand painted the nomad vampires' red contacts for them. Oh my god! Like they look there dope. is an insane amount of like love and attention in this movie, and I think that's why I like it so much. Is like the more yeah. it comes I make through. stuff and like get involved in the film industry. Like I'm just so concerned with whether or not the people are having fun and like yeah, whether yeah. the crew had good crafty. Yeah. And if it was, like, a fun experience, and I think everybody that made this movie, just the first movie, really loved it. And it's really sad to watch the rest of the franchise and see how miserable they are. Like, even... I think his name is Billy Burke. Like, whoever plays Charlie, Mm -hmm. just, like, when his spirit goes, like, he holds out the longest. When he (laughs) checks out, it's heartbreaking.
1: Oh, Lord. I mean, you can feel the energy, and, like, it's a pretty wild story with everything that's like going on in the background. But I think at the end of the day, like the film itself does feel like an, an indie movie with mm-hmm. all of its flaws and like weird shit, but it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Man, that's wild. Uh, yeah. And it's honestly kind of incredible because I think if it hadn't been financially successful, like 10 years later, we wouldn't have gotten a bunch of like really sweet, like YA adaptations of like standalone books. That are like a little bit more independent. Like I don't know if you guys ever saw Me and Earl and the The Dying Girl.
1: I love that movie so much. Yeah,
0: it's so good. It never would have gotten that kind of attention if people didn't realize that YA books were profitable. Yeah, yeah. because like, why would they waste money on like something they can't turn into a saga or like whatever? Yeah, totally. Yeah, that it's fascinating. And like, it's twelve years later, and then you get John Green.
1: John Green.
0: Don't get me started on John Green.
1: hey everyone thanks for taking a listen to this uh first little companion episode if you uh, liked what you heard uh, check us out on instagram maybe give us a movie suggestion or you know something like that uh we're hoping to do a lot more of these uh shorter companion episodes or little bonus episodes soon so stay tuned for that and um until next time